Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Crane, and today we're going to be doing a deep dive into the rookie running back class. To do that, I am joined by J.J. Zacharyson of Late Round Fantasy Football and Davis Maddox Sports Grid. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Great. So excited to talk about this phenomenal running back class. Deep, the width and breadth of this running back class will take your breath away. I'm just, I'm just glad to be on this show without Denny Carter. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, don't worry, Denny has not been fired. Pat, Pat Darty's still working on that, but, uh, but yeah, Denny's not here. It is not a, a good running back class, as, as uh, Davis kind of alluded to there. But I, I don't know that you know maybe it's a terrible running back class because, and we can just kind of jump right into it here. We got a lot to cover. Brees Hall at the top does feel like a legitimate 101 dynasty uh, rookie pick contender. Maybe he shouldn't like definitely be the 101, but I, to me, I think he has a very strong argument for the 101. That feels like legitimate. Uh, JJ, where are you at on, on Brees Hall? Do you agree that he belongs in the 101 conversation? Just kind of your thoughts on him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I think at least like pre-draft, if you're, if you're drafting pre-draft in your rookie drafts, I think there's an easy argument even in super flex leagues that he's the one one because we just don't know how things are going to shake out at the quarterback position, even post-draft. Like even if like Malik goes one Oh two to Detroit or something like that, just because there's so much up in the air with him as a prospect, you know, you can make the argument that Brees Hall should just be the one Oh one to me. He's the best all around back in this class pretty easily. I think he's in a tier of his own. You know, I've seen a lot of Kenneth Walker over Brees Hall takes. I think a lot of those takes are more geared towards like real football. You know, they're draft scouts that are looking at these guys and they're saying, you know, like I I wouldn't disagree that Kenneth Walker is probably the best pure runner in this class. Uh, But Brees Hall does the things that we want him to do from a fantasy perspective. He has a way better uh, receiving profile coming out. You know, Kenneth Walker's is a little bit just not there. We'll get to that in a second, I'm sure. You know, just all around, he looks great statistically across the board within my model. You know, if he does get this expected draft uh, capital of like pick 40-ish overall, he would then be a 96th percentile back in my model. Um, and 57% of backs that have hit a 95th percentile threshold or, or better, so 95 to 100, they've, they've hit 16 or more PPR points per game in one of their first three years, 57% of them. 
36% of them have given us a near top five season. So basically, you know, if Brees Hall gets that, that decent draft capital, there's a very, very good chance that he's going to be an elite back for us in fantasy football. So I'm all in. I love me some Brees Hall. All right. I'm happy to hear that. I, Hayden Winks was on the show last week and he was also talking about how well he was writing in his model. He's popping out like Ezekiel Elliott for me. So yeah. uh, I think it's like he, I think he, before the combine, we weren't, quite sure that he was that level prospect and now you know maybe he is davis how do you feel so i mean i i completely agree with like the modeling perspective he was really good at iowa state and uh he can just kind of accomplishes a couple of the things that we want to do what's successful in goal line situations more than comfortable catching the ball like his yards per route run and everything is fine what i am having trouble with is where what team are we wanting him to be drafted by i guess is the question and and you know i mean this like i and i can change my opinion on this depending on the year it's like oh situation doesn't matter you know, you didn't want player x going there and then player x was amazing or you didn't want player going player y going there and then he did actually suck right so it's like the one obvious spot was the buccaneers right so if they don't re-sign fournette they have like the picks in the right range kind of where his expected draft capital is Brees hall comes in He's pretty much immediately the guy. And, um, you know, there are some teams where he would be more interesting than others. The Falcons could pretty much hand a, a three-down roll to someone. The Seahawks could handle a three-down roll to someone, considering, like, the health questions of every running back on their roster. I I, I don't think they're going to take Brees Hall, but I think the 49ers will take a running back in this draft and just put everyone on, on massive tilt. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not to say that even with 143 touches and, and 800 yards and four touchdowns as a rookie in a timeshare that Brees Hall can't be worth the 101, but I, I do just wonder, because, Corrine, this is something you and I talk about all the time, is like not only are we trying to draft points for our team, but we're trying to draft guys who are going to appreciate. And I feel as if Burks, Wilson, Alave, these wide receivers, I don't know which one, but I feel like at least one of those guys is going to really, really appreciate after year one, both as a, both as landing spot and through, you know, the, the incredible performance that we're going to see in the second half from some of those guys. So I, I don't think at one Oh one super flex, I'm taking Malik Willis, non super flex. I'm still probably taking the wide receiver that goes in the first round to the best situation. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. JJ, where would you like to see Brees Hall in? Yeah, you know, that's the thing. I think Buffalo is still interesting if, if uh, they were to actually spend first-round capital on a back. Um, you know, there's been some mocks that, that he's been going there. I don't, I don't know if I see Buffalo doing that. They seem like a more forward-thinking franchise than doing something like that. I will say, though, with the landing spot thing, I, I typically view it as a bigger deal for later round picks because a guy like Brees Hall, like let's just say Brees Hall goes to the Jets at like 35 or wherever they're picking in the second round. I mean, are we really going to be concerned about Michael Carter then digging into Brees Hall's workload? Probably, I mean, to, maybe to some degree, to some small degree, but clearly they're drafting Brees Hall to be a workhorse because that's the kind of running back that he is and that's how good he is. And so I, I think the majority of landing spots might not look great on paper, but at the end of the day, it, it's just going to really, really hurt the existing running back that was there in the first place. Like, you know, Davis mentioned Atlanta as a decent as a decent landing spot, which is true, um, you know, for especially from like a long term perspective. But, you know, it mostly like if Brees Hall were to go to Atlanta, 
Cordero Patterson is just game over, right? Like it's just it's right. not gonna it's not gonna happen. Well, they need him Cordero to be Patterson. a wide receiver anyways. They they, yeah, they have true. so little talent. Like yeah. I I because I've been looking at ADP of these drafts right, and this is neither here nor there. But I do think Patterson is just gonna have to play way more wide receiver this year, yeah, given sure. the the context of their team. Uh, you know another sneaky spot. Well, and the Bills thing is interesting because I think the Diggs contract extension actually makes it less likely they take a wide receiver and more yeah, likely agreed. they just go in any different direction because yeah. they feel you know Gabe Davis has two more years and they, they can just keep doing I mean they did Manny Sanders they did John Brown they did Jamison Crowder so I think they feel comfortable rotating that way but what about the Ravens because the two guys they hmm. have under contract are both coming back from big injuries right Dobbins was ACL and Gus Edwards was Achilles I, I think that's right they and both ACL. Yeah, and they maybe they were I, I don't remember but I actually think they're and and you know my my analytics brethren are gonna they're gonna not like this take, but I mean I do think we learned last year the Ravens offense does not work near as well with a bunch of replacement level below replacement level running backs, right? Like the whole Lamar Jackson, you know, spread them out and and run between the tackles, like it just it just didn't work with Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell, like they were way well, we worse. Like- the analytics pros like efficient offense and the offense is much more efficient when they have the threat of both Lamar Jackson and a good running back. So yeah, no, I think, I think that would be pretty interesting. That one would bum me out because JK Dobbins, I think is good and he's not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, There's some one, like, I think the Eagles would be interesting because, and and to your point of like accumulating value next year, maybe, you know, he goes to the Eagles and, and it's not, as great year one, but it's, then but, Miles but Sanders, Sanders is be out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, it's like uh, Javante, right? It's the same thing that we saw exactly. with Javante in, in his accumulation. You know, it's just, exactly. it, 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 you know, it's just, or his appreciation rather. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where like, if you believe this guy is that talented and he f- at least flashes to some degree in year one, you can still get the RB2 in Dynasty, which is what we're seeing essentially with Javante Williams right now. A hundred percent. I think the Cardinals are another example of that. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins maybe would be somewhat interesting. And then I don't. The, I don't know. Be, I think. I think. No. I. I think because then I think you're not getting the passing down usage year one, which like is is pretty yeah, predictive. That's, that's but a good point. I think. I think Edmonds is. I mean, like Ed. We have questions about Edmonds as an early down grinder, although he's mostly been fine when the other running back he's paired with has started but he's really good as a pass catcher. Like he's been good at that every time he's done it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I, anyway, I think to JJ's point, like those types of landing spots are going to be worse for the veteran there now than for Hall. And we're going to, and I don't know that Hall's price will be much lower if he lands in one of those spots, because we're going to kind of quickly come around to the idea that he's, he's taken that job pretty quickly. Okay. Let's go to Kenneth Walker and uh, JJ, I'll kick this one to you again. Uh, why do you view a tier between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker? What what sort of separates them as players, even though, you know, Kenneth Walker won the Doak Walker World Award. He's a very good running back, real life running back. I think you agree he's he's quite talented. But why do you see the gap here in fantasy? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, people will come after me for being, you know, just just throwing out the idea that there is a red flag or some concern with Kenneth Walker because, people really, really like Kenneth Walker. And I can understand why. Like like I said, I think he might be the best pure runner in this class. The problem is his receiving profile. And we can sit here all day and say, 
that, you know, Michigan State didn't utilize their running backs out of the backfield as receivers. Wake Forest didn't utilize their running backs out of the backfield either. You know, we can make these excuses. It's probably too strong of a word, but we can make these excuses for Kenneth Walker. At the end of the day, his best season reception share, which is one of the three production metrics that go into my model, but his best season reception share was 5.4%, which is really, really bad. I mean, usually we want guys who are going to be drafted on day one, day two to hit that like 10% mark. Like even Jonathan Taylor got to that mark, um, you know, out of school. A lot of people are like, well, Jonathan Taylor, well, I'm not looking at raw numbers here. I'm looking at it within the context of his offense. And so, you know, I, I made a thread today on Twitter about this a little bit, and I've talked about this throughout the, the offseason and the draft process with Walker. Um, but if you look at top uh, 100 picks who were drafted outside the first round, because, you know, it's likely that Walker is not going to be drafted in the first round. And I also didn't want to skew these results a little bit by looking at players who were drafted in the first round. So if you look at picks 33 to 100 since 2011 that have had 8% uh, reception share, best season reception shares are worse. There's been 17 of them since 2011. Of those 17, none of them hit 15 PPR points per game in one season during their first three years. Mm. So if you look at the their counterparts, so guys who had better than 8% reception shares, best season reception shares, 30% of them were able to hit that 15 points per game mark. You know, I'm not saying that Kenneth Walker is incapable of catching passes. I'm merely pointing out that this is a signal, that this is something that does translate to the NFL in terms of talent. You know, is it because they can't catch passes and that's why their reception shares are lower? Maybe. Uh, is it, but I, you know, I think it's more so that it shows versatility. It shows that these teams are trying to get these guys the ball in different ways because they're good and they can make things happen. Um, and so I, you know, the way that I sort of see this is that I'm not making Kenneth Walker my RB5 as a result of this one singular metric, but I do see a pretty big gap between him and Brees Hall because with Kenneth Walker, you have to do some projecting. You know, you have to, you have to sit here and say like, okay, Kenneth Walker has to do something that we really haven't seen him do, you know, in the collegiate level uh, in order to be relevant in fantasy because we know how important receiving is to running backs in fantasy football, whereas we don't have to do that projecting at all with Brees Hall. You know, if, if Walker had a similar receiving profile to Brees Hall, then yeah, there's like a 1A, 1B sort of situation here. But to me, just because of that receiving profile, I think it's easy to, to see the gap between the two. Where are you at, Davis? So I do think it's, it is important to acknowledge a couple different things here. So the first is that running back is such a fungible position now in the NFL that kind of our, our best laid plans and analyses don't matter if a guy just lands in a situation where the team decides to use him a lot. Um, you know, and then the other thing is that if you're not really good or really bad at catching passes, like if you're not Christian McCaffrey, who's really good at it, or if you're not Ronald Jones, who's like so bad at it that your team is like actively just like taking you off the field in those situations, you can kind of accumulate, uh, like Daryl Williams, uh, last year for the chiefs, really good mm -hmm. example, not really good at anything was not really a productive college player but just caught a bunch of passes in the scheme of the offense because that's how it works. So I think that, you know, not that not that I don't, I don't think like Kenneth Walker's coach, wherever drafts him, is going to be like, all right, we're going to throw this guy a bunch of screens. He's going to catch 60 passes. He's going to be awesome. Like I, I, I don't think um, in doing projections I would ever project Kenneth Walker for like a 60-catch season. But, I mean, he could, if he ends up being a really good runner and the team just kind of wants to keep him on the field, he could have some 45, 50 catch seasons. But I, I totally agree with JJ's thought that there should be a tear break 
because I don't think whatever team drafts him is going to be doing it with the idea where we are for sure going to throw this guy the ball, whereas whatever team drafts Brees Hall is going to be partly interested in drafting him because they can throw him the ball, because they can leave him on the field on, on third down and uh, and things like that. But I mean, and, and as we get deeper into this class, I mean, you'll realize like so much of the outcomes of these guys' careers are just you know, it's, it's so random. Like Daryl, like to coming back to Daryl Williams or just a million guys like this, right? Bad college running backs who like did nothing, but find themselves the next man up at the right time for a good offense and, and they're good or whatever. And then, yeah, it's just like, that's, I, I've kind of gotten to this point with running backs where outside of like the true studs, which I think Brees Hall is really the only true stud in this class. It's kind of just like, get some guys and hope they land in a good situation because if not, you know, a third string running back who might be really talented, is not doing you anything. Right. But I mean, I'm in complete agreement that there is a tier break here and it doesn't feel like the market agrees with that because, you know, Walker's going to be very expensive in rookie drafts. So if the, if the play is let's hope he just lands in a good spot and maybe they use him I, as a receiver. I, I cannot that, justify, that's an expensive bet. I, I'm in a, I'm in a pre-draft uh, draft right now that we, we do our rookie draft before the NFL draft and Kenneth Walker went ahead of every wide receiver at, at the one Oh three. And I just was like, yeah, no I, I can't, I, I was very surprised it happened. Like I just, I, I was just does not feel logical to me. The, the other thing to this, the other thing to this receiving thing is, is I don't even necessarily think it's only the receiving component of his game that we should be worried about with the receiving profile. And I say that, only because I, I do think that receiving numbers are a signal of talent, right? Again, mm-hmm. they're they're getting them the ball in different ways for for. It's the same thing that like why we analyze like re, uh, return numbers for wide receivers is because in college play, uh, coaches are putting their biggest playmakers on the field in those situations, and so I you know I I haven't really dug into the individual players that you know the seventeen players that were drafted between picks three thirty three and a hundred. Um, you know, who, who weren't able to hit that 8% reception share. Some of them are just horrific pass catchers. Yes. Like a Ronald Jones, but I, you know, there, it could be that some of those guys just didn't pan out at the next level because the talent just wasn't there. Like we just misjudged how good they were as players. I'm not, I'm not saying that as a projection for Kenneth Walker. I think that the important thing with this and the way that I analyze this stuff and like, you know, all three of us, how we approach it from a data perspective is that we're thinking in terms of probability here, right? This is not a, this is not a, he absolutely cannot catch passes because he didn't do it in college. This is simply a, this is what we've seen historically with players who have this sort of profile. And I'll be honest, whenever I went to to get comps for these guys, for the prospect guy that I did, it was really hard to find comps for Kenneth Walker. Like very, very difficult. I think like Trey Mason was one of them that popped up for me. You mentioned one of them a couple of times. I mean, Ronald Jones pops in as a, yeah. as a comp because it's similar. Actually, Ronald Jones has a higher yards per out run than Kenneth Walker did in college. Yeah, and scary, the film, right? the film bros, by the way, I bet they've all deleted these takes from the internet, but the film bros liked Ronald Jones. Yeah, yeah before I mean, look, he disappeared yeah. as a rookie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, like, but there are, you know, I, I, I think that like the proper way to view Kenneth Walker is probably like a, a smaller Nick Chubb. Like, that's just mm-hmm. sort of like what we're, you know, like the way that he's going to score points and uh, just like his, his, his build and, and such. But again, it's just like, is that something that you can like confidently, confidently buy into? And so I'm, I'm with you guys. We're like the wide receivers that you're for sure going to get in the first round. I mean, there's going to be five wide receivers at least drafted in the first round. And, and just given the demand, probably a lot more now. 
I, I just don't see how pre-draft you can feel confident putting Kenneth Walker over those guys without knowing. Even, I mean, we don't even know for sure where, where Walker's going to go. Like, if, like what if he ends right. up slipping to the late second, early third, and then all of a sudden you're drafting that over these like surefire, really, really solid wide receivers. I think that's just a mistake. Yeah, I have him kind of like Miles Sanders was a, was another comp for him. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the yards per out run, like you mentioned Jonathan Taylor earlier, JJ, and you know Jonathan Taylor had really good yards per out run. Uh, he is he had a one point six six yards per out run over his career, which is quite good. I mean that's basically where Saquon Barkley was. Kenneth Walker had zero point four five. It's the lowest in the entire class, uh, lower than Ronald Jones, lower than Derrick Henry, lower than Deontay Foreman. But you know to your point about probability. James Robinson didn't have a great yards per route run, ended up being used as a receiver. Jamal Williams didn't have a good yards per route run. Miles Sanders had a 0.53 yards per route run. So it's not like he can't catch passes, but I just think your odds of, of getting him there are low. And like, even if he does, it's probably going to be like, you know, Josh Jacobs and Ian, right. you know, it's not right. going to be like this exciting three down type of guy, I think. A good floor, but a but a rough ceiling. Like I, I don't I don't know if there's a path to Kenneth Walker ever being viewed as a top five running back in Dynasty, right. basically. Right. That was the good part of the class, <laughs> as we just uh, took apart Kenneth Walker. And there's a tier break here in uh, fantasy after Kenneth Walker. There's also a tier break here in expected draft position at grinding the mocks. Brees Hall is at forty point two in expected draft position, and Kenneth Walker at fifty six. So those guys are expected to be second round picks. They're the only guys on grinding the mocks who are expected draft position of second round. Uh, after that, we go to some third round guys uh, that we'll get to now. But before we do, uh, Davis, how do you view this tier break after Kenneth Walker? Like how, how big is it? Well, I definitely think it's both large in terms of like, like so Spiller was not like Spiller who is third was not even like a full-time starter right so like you like when you just when you just bring in the fact that these two guys uh Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker were like the guys on their team they got the you know 300 touches they were getting the ball in every situation they were the driving force of their team's offenses so Spiller was not and Spiller had you know a bad combine bad pro day then I I think that um James Cook, who is next, is like kind of filling this vacuum of us needing to just have a guy that we kind of like is like the sleeper. The problem is, is that like James Cook and a normal rookie draft to be like, you know, kind of like a developmental, you yeah. know, a Naheem Hines, right? A guy you took in the third round of your rookie draft, and like, you know, maybe he catches on. And now because there's not anyone to fill that power vacuum, he's he's like way more popular. Like I, I've seen so many more tweets about James Cook than I ever needed to see, right? Um, and then Kyron Williams was really productive at Notre Dame. But, I mean, this guy, I don't know what happened. Like, his his combine, his pro day stuff, so bad. Uh, 194 pounds, 4.6540 yard dash. I mean, he is, I guess, you know, re did really well. And the film guys say he was a really good pass protector and he did catch passes. But uh, the guy who does the relative athletic scores – I, I, whatever. I'm sorry. I don't know your name, dude, but Kyron Williams has like one of the worst relative athletic scores of the classes. And then after that, we're getting into guys who were like day three picks of the NFL draft, right? Damian Pierce, uh, Tyler Algier, who literally is a converted linebacker was playing linebackers recently is 2019 for BYU. Um, 
And then and I, I find it interesting that Brian Robinson is so low in the relative rankings for this class because one Alabama running backs just generally get overdraft, like generally are going to be on an NFL roster just because of the pedigree. And Brian Robinson was, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy was not Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry or anything like that, but he was fairly solid. Uh, I guess the issue is he's really old, but I don't really care about that for running backs. Like I don't, I don't care that much about breakout age for running backs when I'm expecting them to be, fourth round pick and i kind of just want them to make the roster basically right how about you jj how big is this tier break yeah i mean i, I definitely think it's pretty massive and, and a lot of it to me is is spiller's journey over the last like two months in the yeah. way that things have just generally gone and the sentiment around him you know i i don't care that that much about a lot of combine measurables and such i care about size at running back and i care about speed score uh, that's what goes into my model but a lot of that though can translate to draft capital getting worse, right? And so Spiller not running uh, at the at the combine and then running at the pro day and his pro day number, you know, it depends on how you adjust it, honestly. Like you, you know, my my uh my model looks at at speed scores that drop below 90 as a massive, massive red flag. So Kyron Williams, for instance, is basically undraftable for me right now because of the hit rates of guys who have been under 90 and what it does to their overall prospect score. Uh, but Isaiah Spiller, if you adjust the way that a lot of people adjust pro day times, which I think we're going to find that with the new like turf or whatever that's going on in Indy or that that went on this year and how like their 40 times were a little bit faster and stuff, we might not see as big of a difference between pro day numbers and, and NFL combine numbers. But regardless, if you adjust how people have traditionally done it, he's basically under that 90 mark now in speed score because he just was not mm. not strong in his 40. And so... You know, there's a there's a lot of red flags right now with Spiller, but it's funny because I thought objectively, like in January, when looking at this stuff and looking at my model and looking at his metrics and such, he actually had some decent comps. Like like a guy like Joe Mixon sort of like was roughly what Isaiah Spiller looked like, even like a Todd Gurley, where you have these like sort of split backfields, but these guys who, you know, in the case of like a Mixon or a case like Gurley, they're obviously, we now know that they're more athletic. But if Spiller would have tested well, you could have felt a little bit more confident about that. Now I just don't know, you know? And so for, for me uh, with his draft capital likely dropping, if he's a, a round three pick and even, I mean, some people said day three pick, then it's really going to be tough to, to really be high on him. To me, the one guy who's most interesting in this like next cluster is probably Rashad white. You know, he's someone yeah. who uh, you know, my model definitely likes a good bit because it looks at best season numbers and his last season last year at Arizona state was phenomenal. The problem is, you know, David, David Johnson's my, my go-to comp for Rashad white. There's a lot of similarities there. The, the problem with white is that number one, he's an older running back, right? He's coming out. He's like 23 right now. Uh, he had a really weird journey too. It was a late breakout for him. And again, you know, like Davis, I don't care that much. I'm not overly concerned about age at running back. Like I would be a wide receiver, but I do think that there's it's easy to brush something like that off, even though he went to like Juco and he went to these like smaller schools before going to Arizona State and he didn't even produce his first year at Arizona State. And then it finally took last year for him to bring it all together. Maybe he's just a late bloomer. That would be great. But my fear is that the NFL just won't like Rashad White as much as like the fantasy community does. And if that's the case, it's going to be hard to really buy into that because typically those are the guys that you want to avoid in rookie drafts because they're, you know, like a good example of that is like, I always talk about this, but you know, you can usually find really, really good values by not paying so much close attention to landing spot for, for running backs. And 
you know, not, not letting that overrate where they're, they're going in rookie drafts. And so, you know, a lot of people like a handful of years ago, really like Samaj P Ryan coming out. Like they were all about Samaj P Ryan. He goes in the fourth round. The NFL is telling us no one really likes this guy that much goes in the fourth round, but he gets immediate opportunity in Washington. And then he ends up being a first round rookie pick as a result of that. And it's just a terrible process because he's a, he's a fourth round running back. And so, you know, if you see that with a guy like Rashad white, it's going to be easy to fall into that trap and it sucks because I think he's really good. Um, but I just, you know, I, I think the fantasy community just might be overrating or, or at least like him more than what the NFL does. Yeah. I'm, I'm very into Rashad white, but it does feel a little bit like Kenneth Gainwell, uh, where, yeah. you know, Oh man, he falls into the fifth round or something. The combine performance for him though was quite good. And so I'm hoping that yeah. uh, Gainwell also tested well though. So, so maybe this won't be the case, but he, um, white is a bit bigger. Uh, he's like 217 pounds has this pass catching profile to me is maybe going to be kind of a bit of like a Kenyon Drake type of play where, you know, I think he, he comps more similar to like a, a more pure pass catcher, but I think it could kind of be like Drake where, you know, he, he's like a committee back. He flashes. We're kind of waiting for it to happen. The mega mega comp for, for me would be more of a Camara than a David Johnson. Cause he doesn't have the, the size of a Johnson, but, yeah. um, but he's probably, He's probably more Jeremy McNichols than than Alvin Kamara at the end of the day, but uh, (laughs) oh, dude, (laughs) but but he is exciting. McNichols should have been a star. I I will say, I will say this with Rashad White too. I was actually looking at this earlier today, but White has really, really. So my my model looks at uh, total yards per team play for running backs. It also looks at best season reception share um, and best season touchdown share. And if you look since 2011 in the model, which is players who were drafted or players who went to the combine since 2011. There are only two other running backs outside of Rashad White with a best season reception share of at least 18% and a best season yards per team play of 2.2, who also had a speed score that was above that 90 mark. So they were competent as athletes, right? The other guy that was not competent was Donnell Pumphrey. You guys remember him, the really small, yeah. like XFL 79. Yeah, yeah, San Diego State. And so uh, the two running backs, though, to hit those thresholds, Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones. So it's, wow. it's you know, he's in he's in good company. Rashad White is you know, with those guys sitting there. I've got one for you. He had a 2.59 yards per out run over his career, short career. This doesn't count the Juco sure. uh, years, but uh, he's one of only six drafted prospects with a career yards per out run of 2.3 or better. Other five are Christian McCaffrey, Kenyon Drake, Alvin Kamara, Kenneth Gainwell, Joe Mixon, and David Johnson would be there if we had any kind of sample. Ooh. Ooh. Pretty good. Yeah. Love it. Pretty good. So I actually have him above Isaiah Spiller right now. Uh, I'm going to probably once the NFL breaks my heart, move him back behind Spiller. But, but for now, I'm just kind of hoping even going to, is the NFL even going to want to take Spiller though? Well, that that's what you tell me where's, where's Spiller going to go and, and, uh, where should be ranked in this class? I mean, I, I feel like it's probably like, honestly, I feel like out of other than the first two guys, I would not really be surprised in any like any order the way these guys go. So like, for example, on grinding the mocks they're like James Robinson is the fifth projected, like the RB five of this class, but like no one in fantasy wants to talk about Brian Robinson. Cause he like, didn't do anything and he's old and didn't really catch that many passes. Whereas uh, like some of these guys we like, like Rashad white, it's he's the RB seven, but it's only a 40 pick Delta between mm-hmm. him and Spiller at this point. And obviously those are some early mocks feeding in 
on Spiller too, whereas White is getting this helium right now. And like, I mean, just for example, David Johnson was a third round pick. Now, David Johnson was a better prospect, like super good yeah, combine, was. was a converted wide receiver and stuff. But like, I'm not going to, not going to be like shocked if Rashad White goes in the third round of the draft. And, you know, again, it kind of depends on which teams are taking them and stuff. But also this draft is, is sort of weird. Um, it, it's like, it's like a weird rookie draft where the, it's like 25% of the picks in the first round are owned by four teams. Cause there are so many teams that are doubled up. Like, so I think we could just see some weird stuff happening in this draft because of the dispersion of picks. All right, let's uh, let's go to James Cook. Uh, Davis, you mentioned him earlier as, as kind of being someone that's probably going to get overdrafted this year. He really does look interesting to me, but like at like the the two ten in a in a non superflex or something where you're like, right. ooh, I can, I, you know. But he's not going to. That's not going to be where he goes. His ADP is, I think, going to be much higher than that. Dalvin Cook's brother, you know, that's always good for a little boost. But I expect a draft position here of eighty at grinding the mocks. Does seem like he'll be a third round pick after a pretty decent showing at the combine. Davis, how do you view him like as a player archetype? Is he Naheem Hines? Because he also seems like maybe more like a a committee back who's like a good receiver. Uh don't see those guys have a ton of success, but maybe like a Michael Carter type. Is you know, which kind of archetype is he? I mean, I I think that he is sort of like the third down back that you can like leave in when you get down mm. to the goal line, right? Like, like, like honestly, probably a guy who's really, really good in like a 50 50 split. And you can do some different things on offense when he's in, you know, for like, you know, just for example, if, if the other, if, if his other committee back was like Damian Harris or whatever, like you, you could rotate those or James Connor, right? Kind of like the James Connor, yeah. Chase Edmonds thing. The, the thing is, and JJ will be able to speak better than this to me, but I mean, James Cook was never the like he never led his college team in rushing. He never uh, like played the most snaps at running back, and so like the the range of outcomes for guys like that is rather wide, just kind of depending on what the NFL thinks of them. Now, Cook did have a good combine, right? Two hundred pounds, four four uh, four four two forty, like all of that, all good. Um, you know, I don't look at him like. Uh, you know, like a Zach Zenner prospect or something where I'm like, oh my gosh, like if this guy does get a chance, he's like, he's got all the athleticism you need. But I mean, like you said, in a, in a, a class where the talent distribution was a little more normal, um, you know, it feels like all the talent in this class is at wide receiver and Malik Willis basically. But, you know, in a, in a year where it was a little bit more, distributed where there's multiple running backs you want multiple tight you know all that stuff i i think he would be you know a, a solid guy i don't know i it's hard for me to get too excited about him because it seems like lots of people are excited about him and that's going to lead to the cost not being great for sure jj any thoughts on cook yeah so you know i i think you know the biggest concern for me is probably size partially why we had you know zamir white in that backfield with him uh splitting that backfield the good news though whenever you have split backfields like this it's always reassuring when the other running back you're splitting with is actually a pretty good prospect too right so you at least have that you know this is certainly not a nick chubb sony michelle type situation but it's still um you know two two fairly good prospects that are coming out zamir white probably not being looked at the way that he would if he hadn't gotten hurt and if he hadn't had some issues in, in college from that perspective. So, you know, I, I think Cook can be a serviceable pass catching back. The problem is that like 
you know, from like an analytical perspective and like in my model, for instance, it's really hard for him to come out with like really good comps because he split a backfield in college and he's a smaller back. And look, I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that smaller running backs can't thrive in the NFL. It's just that we know that coaches have their biases and that they use bigger bodied backs to, to carry workloads. And that's what we worry about in fantasy football. We, we care about volume. And so, uh, you know, if James Cook isn't going to play that role in the NFL, that's somewhat of a concern from a ceiling perspective, but you know, could he be a satellite back that catches 50 balls in the season? I don't think any of us would be shocked if something like that ends right. up happening, if he finds the right spot, but you know, I would be, I, I would be pretty surprised, you know, if he's anything uh, you know, if, if he's carrying the ball 200 plus times in the season, I, I think the way that, you know, he's, he's again, he's part of that, like Michael Carter archetype where uh, you know, he's likely not going to be like a bell cow in the NFL, but he certainly could have some receiving upside for you in PPR formats. Could he be Chase Edmonds? Yeah, 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 I think that's another good like like that's at least from the standpoint of like how these guys produce fantasy points. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean like that's that's you know you're gonna need an early down complement with Cook in order for him to to for in order for an offense to feel good about uh, utilizing him properly. So yeah, I mean I think an Edmonds makes sense. Where like every once in a while maybe you see him have one of those games where he gets 15 plus carries because the the RB one is hurt, but. You know, he could still hold just as much value just because of his pass catching ability. All right, let's go to Zamir White, who is the other guy, uh, the last guy here who uh, has day two draft capital per grinding the mocks. Definitely some context needed for Zamir White. The models are going to tell you he stinks. You know, there's nothing to see here, but uh, two ACL tears. Then he runs a 4-4 at the combine at 214. Uh, You know, that's pretty interesting and you know just kind of the injury red flags split backfield like feels like to me you know there could be a lot more to Zamir White than we saw in college JJ where are you at on him yeah I'm with you you know there there are a handful of course every running back like we we sit here and we say oh well let's hope that they go to a great spot and let's hope that they have great draft capital and and I, I think that that's definitely true for every running back, but I think it's more true for certain running backs. I think Brian Robinson is one of those backs, and I think Zamir White is one of those backs too, where uh, you know if he ends up going in the early third or something like that, or like even slips into the late second because a team is enamored with his athletic ability, that's that's a pretty good sign. Like that that's a that's a good flag, and you know he might again look at like someone like in my model, for instance, who looks like he was overdrafted. You just give it some context. You realize that he tore his ACL a couple of times. He was splitting a backfield with a, a great pass catcher in, in James Cook. So, um, you know, I, I think Samir White's really, really intriguing and has a ton of upside, especially if he gets that draft capital. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. Um, I mean, one, a couple of things are interesting about him. I mean, five-star prospect. I do, I do kind of like that stuff. You know, I mean, that was kind of what it likes to fall Diggs' things, right, is he was like this mega, mega prospect was productive in college, but like injured and, and, um, you know, it can just kind of interesting how that follows guys. He was also, um, like a, like a, a track and field guy, like considered going to college for track and field, which you kind of like. And, um, you know, I, I, I think what JJ said earlier is, is really important to remember, which is that the, the James Cookses, like I would, I would, if you offered me right now a wager that he never gets to 250 touches in his career, like regardless of circumstance, I'm probably taking it, but like Zamir white, big fave compared to someone like James cooks or uh, James uh, Kyron Williams, Abram Smith, some of these guys, just cause he has the size, right. Just because NFL coaches are going to look at that size 
And like I was saying earlier with Kenneth Walker, it's like, you might not be good at it. You might not be this like dynamic uh, breaker of tackles and super elusive in the open field, but you like can catch some passes like, like Zeke, right? Zeke uh, now the guy he is now not elusive, not, not shifty in the open field, but they still throw him the ball just in the context of the offense. And like, I could see, uh, I could see, Zamir White doing 220 carries, 40 touches, or 40 uh, receptions, way more than I could see 80 targets and 100 carries for someone like James Cook, basically. Yeah, I think after about four guys, this running back class, when you look at rankings, it's going to tell you as much about the rankers' philosophy of you know how they like to to make bets rather than you know the actual running backs. Because a guy like Zamir White is just a home run swing, whereas you know. Uh, James Cook, or we'll get to Tyler Batty later. I mean, you're you're kind of going for more of a single. Similar? Tyler Tyler Batty's pretty interesting. Okay, we'll get to Batty, but I mean, you're you're certainly I don't think looking at uh you know a workhorse type. But okay, let's get to some of the sleepers past the guys who look like they have a chance to get into to day two. Basically, everyone from here on out has expected draft position of day three. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES10. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insights and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. All right, let's talk Damian Pierce because I think in some ways a bit similar to Rashad White where you're kind of like, you know, looking at a guy who didn't get a ton of usage in college um, but did flash a little bit. Uh, I like that he was he was pretty elusive, uh, rated really well in elusive rating, but did not get the workload. So, uh, you know, that Florida just seems to, uh, Hayden made this point that, you know, they, they just don't use their, their top guys. They kind of buried Tony for a while. Now they've buried Pierce van van. You know, I mean, the reason why it is, is because they never have a quarterback that they like and they rotate these quarterbacks around. I thought you were going to say, cause they're actually bad. Well, I mean, they are, they are bad. Uh, but like, but like, you know, like 
when Kyle Trask is the quarterback, they're still giving, you know, package snaps to Emory Jones and Anthony Rich. Like, it's just, like, it's such a weird team. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I like about Pierce is he scored a ton of touchdowns, you know, so, and, and yeah. he, he was pretty good at making people miss. So right there, I'm like, his breakaway uh, potential, I think is pretty low. He's not going to be like a long run guy, but I'm like, he can make people miss. He's pretty big. Uh, and he was used a lot at the goal line. Is that enough to to make him interesting, JJ? You know, I I think that the one thing with guys like this is I just constantly ask, like, again, why was the usage the way it was? And we can mm-hmm. make, you know, we can say like, oh, Florida utilizes their their players X, Y, and Z way. Well, you know, we don't know for sure. You know, it's not like a Tennessee situation with Alvin Kamara. We haven't seen that really come out of Florida per se. Um, I mean, Tony, right? I mean, I think the fact that Tony looks so good in the NFL after like like literally being benched at times in Florida kind of indicates that to but me. He, but he also, but Tony was also like a, a rare breed of of type of player that he was. Like the, the gadget, the gadget. And I think he also his... had some discipline stuff. At I think there was some of that too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, like you, you do have to at least like ask the question, right? Like I, again, I, given where he's going to go, go in rookie drafts and given where he's going to go in the actual NFL draft, it's not like anyone's like really, really overrating Damian Pierce. And I, I, again, like what we've been saying, I think after like RB three, RB four, you're, you're basically just like picking out a bunch of dudes out of a hat who you think is like generally, you know, they're all generally in the same boat right? where they, they have some sort of red flag somewhere. And I think with Pierce, you know, he has, like you said, he has really good, like per touch numbers. Like they mm-hmm. look very, very good, like missed tackles and such. But at the same time, you have to just like ask that question. Why wasn't he a true workhorse in college? Like, why did it take so long for him to even get a hundred touches in college? And and so that, that's my main concern with Pierce. A lot of these later, later round backs, like, you know, we mentioned landing spot stuff earlier. I don't care about landing spot as much about early round picks because they're good, right? Like early round guys are just talented they're good. They'll find a way to get on the field. When it comes to later round guys, you know, day three, maybe even late day two guys, uh, you want them to find a decent landing spot just because they'll be able to see an opportunity to flash, like and get that opportunity. Um, similar to like what we saw with Elijah Mitchell. Like, I don't think Elijah Mitchell happens if he doesn't go to San Francisco, right? Like there's, right. there's certain spots where these guys will, will, will get a bump naturally if they find the right spot. I think Pierce is just one of those dudes. Well, just to your point on Mitchell, I think, the coaching staff matters too. Like, is it the type of coaching staff yeah. that would let uh, a later round guy play immediately overhead their, uh, their third round pick who they traded up for? I mean, there's not a lot of coaching staffs that actually do that. I think Seattle would be another one where they, they seem to kind of have a meritocracy yeah. in the backfield. But I think yeah. that type of stuff's important too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, can Damian Pierce serve as like an early down back uh, in the NFL? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think that he has the skill set and ability, and he's definitely more intriguing than you know, other guy like a Kyron Williams at this point um, mm-hmm. that, that could go in like a similar range. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not like out on Pierce, but I'm not like dying to get Pierce because I don't think his profile for a later round guy is so glaring and obvious that you like got to get him. I think there's some backs in this class that at least like have that, like the things that I look for, you know, in, in the, in those like late rounds that could be true gems. Pierce isn't necessarily there, but I don't think he's bad. So he's just, you know, I'm just kind of lukewarm yeah. with him. Yeah pretty lukewarm talks about brian robinson who it seems like you're you're more than lukewarm on i i am more than lukewarm on him because i actually think brian robinson is the converse of all these guys we're talking about right we're talking about rashad white and james cook and i'm like you know who's gonna freaking love brian robinson nfl coaches 
Nick Saban's going to get on the horn with them and be like, yeah, he's a dog. He shows up. He works every day. He pass blocks, yada, yada. I mean, we know, I mean, we do know at this point that Alabama players, like teams just take Alabama players and like Slade Bolden is going to get drafted. He caught like 67 passes at Alabama. And then like, if you want to be like, oh, well, you know, he never produced or move. Okay. So he played behind Najee Harris. He played behind uh, Jerome Ford, who transferred, who, uh, or he played ahead of him, who transferred. He was on Alabama as well. Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs uh, was on those teams. And uh, Bo Scarborough, who was also an NFL player as well and tore, had torn Achilles. But basically, I think he, I think there is um, a decent chance he does end up being a day two pick instead of a day three pick. And, um, you know, like his combine stuff is not great. But, you know, you were just talking about your rookie running back rankings belying your philosophy. I'm not really that concerned about the small win of James Cook landing on a good roster and churning out some Naheem Hines seasons and, and having my, uh, my 301 be a small win. I am much more interested in Brian Robinson, you know, being drafted to I just make up a team whatever the Arizona Cardinals and being and getting 95 touches as a rookie 130 touches next year and then being the starting running back in year three or whatever um like I I just I just would prefer to draft more guys who I at least think an NFL coaching staff will just be like we're coming into the season and you are our de facto starting running back and I I see that way more clearly for Brian Robinson than I do Pierre Strong, you know, Hassan Haskins, Zonovan Knight, whoever, basically. Yeah. JJ, the per touch numbers with Brian Robinson aren't very good, though. He's not very good. He's just <laughs> yeah. not. I, I like that's the thing. I think he's kind of a jag, but he I is. do think that that capital to Davis's point, like the draft capital is probably going to be there to some degree, just given that that pedigree and just given the fact that he's coming from Alabama. Um, you know, is he a player in this class that, you know, th- this class is a lot of like, those like fringe 200 pound guys. Right. Uh, and you know, is Robinson able to probably carry a bigger workload than those players? Yeah. Um, you know, would I necessarily prefer him over like a Tyler Algier? Probably not. Like, I don't think there's that big. I think, of a it's difference. Like, it's, I think it's like the same thing. I think like him and Algier are basically the same thing, like good size, whatever the coach, like, I, you know, Dan Campbell is like, this guy used to be a linebacker. I need this guy on my team. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's literally the same thing. Like I, I would buy like this argument I'm making for Brian Robinson. I would make it for Algier too. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think I was talking to, to Karina about this uh, a couple days ago, but like when I was doing comps for a lot of these guys, like a guy who kept popping up in comps was James Connor. Like it was like, like these literally, like yeah. bigger, bo- like of the bigger body mm-hmm. guys, I should say it's like, they're fine. And, and like James Connor obviously has exceeded expectation for the most part, but you know, James Conner as a prospect was like, eh, you know, probably a little bit overdrafted by Pittsburgh where they got him and all that. And it ended up panning out fine enough. But that's sort of what we're looking at with a lot of these guys is that that's probably the higher end comp for most of these guys that could maybe go on day two, uh, but probably will go day three. Let's talk Algier because of these guys that, that are kind of in this range, this day three range in terms of expected draft position, he's become by far my favorite. He's to me, he he separates himself from the Brian Robinsons of the world because he delivered long runs. He's a 44% career breakaway percentage. He's also 
pretty pretty darn good in elusive rating. Uh, his his workload over his career, not ideal. But like you know, JJ's talking about how we got to ask the question: Why is that the case? It's because he's too good at tackling. You know, they're gonna love him. They're gonna coaches are gonna love this guy. I don't. I'm not worried about his workload because in his last two seasons, he actually had a really big workload, yeah. and he made people miss. He picked up yards after contact. He he had long runs on a really big workload. Uh, he doesn't have breakaway speed, only a four six forty, but he two twenty four. Uh, this is a big guy. He's kind of got like Isaiah Spiller's athleticism, but in a much bigger frame, which I think really matters to me. A little Jordan Howard esque. Where where you guys? Uh, add on him in terms of like what the ceiling can be. Am I am I getting a little bit too spicy here? Jordan Howard seems right about in the range of comps. Yeah, I, okay. I like it. I like it. I like Algier. I mean, my three comps for him were Mikel Lashore, Darius Geis, mm. and James Conner were the three that that popped for him most. I mean, who knows what Darius Geis would have become? But you know, he he. I agree. Like his his numbers, his statistics, his production profile, actually pretty good. He had a he had a best season yards per team play above two. Obviously, he's coming from BYU. This is not an Alabama situation, so take it with a grain of salt. But I actually haven't even found conference for running backs to be as impactful, nearly as impactful as it is at wide receiver. But he had, he had a best season touchdown share over 40%, best season reception share a little over 11%, which is great to see, especially from a bigger bodied guy. You don't always see reception shares and receiving numbers uh, you know, go to bigger bodied backs all that all that frequently. I liked Algier a lot like back in January. I thought that I was going to be in on him. And then his his draft capital started slipping. Right now, he's like in that 80th percentile range in my model, which is like the breaking point for, for running backs to be, you know, having good hit rates and not having good hit rates. So if he does go early day three, let's say, or like yeah. late day two, I'm probably going to be pretty in on Algier. I think that he's a, a solid back. And I, I agree with you. I like him of these like bigger body backs. I like him more than like a Robinson, like a... Uh, you know, some of the other guys that are sort of like in that range. I'm going to be as into him as the NFL is like, if they, if they yeah. were to take him in the second round, like let's go. I the, yeah. I really do think he's uh he's got a profile that really draft position is the only thing that that's missing right now. Not the only thing. It's not like a perfect profile or anything, but uh, Speed, he definitely looks like potential not playing player. linebacker. As a, as <laughs> yeah. A not playing linebacker is probably uh, not yeah. <laughs> generally for my running backs to play running back. Hey, uh, Godwin, Godwin Igwebuki, the the Lions running back, never even played running back in college at all. He he was drafted as a safety by the Lions, and they converted Dan Campbell converted him to running back. You know, there's another there's another one of those backs in this class, a Quandre White. I believe he started as a linebacker at Florida State, and then he uh, he transferred to South Carolina and became a running back. This you know, guy, it's a weak class when uh, yeah. when we're drafting safeties and linebackers. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The the uh, other right. guy, the other I just two guys I want to mention real quick. Tyler Batty uh, ended his college career for Missouri. Forty one carries, two hundred nineteen yards against Arkansas. Twenty seven carries, one hundred forty six yards against Florida. Thirty four carries, two hundred nine yards against South Carolina. Caught a bunch of passes his final year for a really bad Mizzou team. He's super small, so I don't think he's ever going to get that usage at the NFL level. But I'm going to spend some fourth round rookie picks on him probably. Well, like, how do you view him as a type of player? Because I mentioned him earlier as like, you know, one of these small win Naheem Hines types. I mean, he's he's 5'8", 197. So it's hard to see him like developing, you know, putting on 10, 15 pounds and becoming like a, a lead running back. But you, you think he has a higher ceiling than like a James Cook, if everything I mean, goes perfectly? Just the fact that he was used that way by a coach 
just the fact that he was used that way by a football coach uh, at at Mizzou. I mean, look, could he like if if you? I guess like the big win version of that guy is like Naheem Hines is like a small win, but like Giovanni Bernard is like a big win, right? Because mm-hmm. he had multiple stretches of his career where he was like actually a starter. Um, not that I think that's going to happen. He's going to be a round five pick. You know, he he could be cut. Like we could be talking about him in the USFL next year. But I do just kind of like like just the fact that he got so many touches. That was that that final stretch of the season. I was kind of like like that's just very impressive to me. Yeah. I, I am, I, I love me some Tyler Beatty, man. He, uh, he, but I also fall into this archetype and fall for this archetype every year. Like there's always someone that like, is this like ultra productive kind of smaller, uh, back who makes an NFL roster, but doesn't always hit. I will say though, the three comps that I have for him are two guys, you know, I really liked, you know, Benjamin coming out. That's one of the comps. Yep. I really like Jeremy McNichols coming out. That's one of the comps. The third comp, though, for me was was Aaron Jones, who oh. you know is, is not you know he's not as small or he, he's not as big as Aaron Jones, but it's he's not that that far off from Aaron Jones, especially from a BMI standpoint. And then I mentioned that that stat from filtering with Rashad White earlier. You could do something very similar with Tyler Beatty and look at you know how he performed in touchdown share, best season reception share, best season total yards per team play. If you filter down like how he did, roughly how he did in those metrics. You get four other running backs, two of them being Pumphrey, who I mentioned earlier, and Jaquiz Rogers, but both of them were under that 90 speed score. The other two are, again, Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones. Like that's that's wow. what we're looking, and that's why the Aaron Jones comp popped was because you know he's not as big. I don't think he's as good as Aaron Jones as a prospect. Jones was someone that my model like adored coming out, as as a lot of people in the analytics community uh, liked, but. I do think that Beatty is very, very intriguing. And, and the, you know, the size is definitely a concern, but at least he's got like a decent enough BMI. Like it's not, it's not like he's like 5'11, 197 or something like that. You know, he's very compact and that could help him out a little bit too. Is he going to be a 250, uh, you know, attempt player, even a 200 attempt player? Likely not, but can he play again, you know, that Michael Carter type role? I do think that it's possible. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of Ito Smith in this class. Uh, oh, yeah, so man. <laughs> a lot of Ito Smiths. Yeah, a lot of Ito Smiths here. <laughs> but hey, sometimes Ito Smiths are Aaron Jones, you know? It's uh, it's probabilities. <laughs> we just got to get him on a high-carb diet. Yeah. yeah. Any thoughts eat, on... Eat, just eat a lot of avocados, good, healthy fats. Yes. Oh, Davis, we can't be talking avocados. I'll you, send you him, took, I'll, a, you I'll took send enough him, heat on that. I'll send, him, I'll send him all of mine since I'm not eating them. <laughs> The, the food take bit, I think, uh, ended yesterday, hopefully. Jerome Ford, any thoughts on him? He's kind of in this range uh, yeah. out of Cincinnati. I feel like he's a tad overrated by the dynasty community. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, and I only say that because a lot of people were, at least pre-combine, they seem to be very, very high on him. And, and then he came out, people thought that he was going to be the fastest running back in this class. He came out and he was not that. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like he went to Alabama and he was this Alabama transfer. And so he gets a bump from via that. But I do think you have to question number one, why didn't he produce right away whenever he went to Cincinnati? And then number two, his numbers weren't even that impressive in, at Cincinnati. Like I'm not like overly impressed by his 8% reception share and his like 32% touchdown share. And, you know, it's not like they're terrible. It's not like they're bad. I just think he's more of a replacement level player than anything else. That's kind of how he looks to me too. You in, you in agreement, Davis? I have literally no thoughts on Jerome Ford. Like I just I can't even I can't even I can't even uh, muster up. And it's like this guy's the most rounds like date like 
guy who's going to get cut for Jordan Howard when Jordan Howard decides to come back and play for another year running back of all time. Like Le'Veon wow. Bell, Le'Veon Bell is coming back to be signed as a pass blocker over this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rough. All right, let's talk a couple of guys here to close it out. Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. Pierre Strong not listed. Neither of these guys listed in grinding the mocks. Strong, though, I've seen you know some love for and seen him listed in some ranking services and stuff. It seems like maybe he's in the, the early day three mix and, and should get drafted. But this is a, a small school guy, FCS guy. Productive, but... A committee back, which I think is maybe a, a pretty big red flag for, you know, a, a competition. He already has the level of competition red flag. So, JJ, you mentioned that, you know, level of competition, maybe not as big at running back as wide receiver, but it's still got to count for something, right? Yeah, here's here's the the main reason I'm into Pierre Strong is because if there's any running back in this class that comps almost identically to Elijah Mitchell, it's Pierre Strong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. Like, from a from a production standpoint, it's very similar. Smaller schools, very similar size, and then they go out and they have this great forty, and they have a good speed score. And if he finds the right spot again, like Elijah Mitchell did, and I'm talking about a, a team that is, you know, willing to utilize them the way that they have that potential to to be utilized. I mean, I, I think that like I was hoping that Pierre Strong would like go to Miami, and maybe he still goes to Miami, but it's that that spot where, you know, you have Mike McDaniel, you have the familiarity, he might be looking for, you know, an Elijah Mitchell type player. Um, and we know that like, like this is the the very standard and typical 49ers running back. This is the Raheem Mostert, you know, the Elijah Mitchell, it's that sort of like mold. So I wouldn't be shocked even if San Francisco goes and tries to mm-hmm. just get a duplicate of Elijah Mitchell, just given the fact that he didn't stay healthy last year and they don't have like that much great depth at running back. Maybe they do just send a day three pick and try to get Pierre strong. And then they just have this dynamic one, two punch of two guys who can hit the hole and just go and, and have this like, you know, sub four, four speed and, and be able to just, you know, take it to the house in every play and have that dynamic element to their offense that they love. So that's why I like Pierre strong is because if there is an Elijah Mitchell in this class, I think it's him. Ty Chandler is kind of close to that, but I think it's more Pierre strong than Ty Chandler. And he's that type of running back, right? He's a one-cut runner. He's a speed yep, back. Yeah. Like it, his skill set actually fits the way that he would kind of most obviously be used. For Look, sure. If you're, if you're going to run a four-three and weigh over two hundred pounds, I'm going to be interested in you. And that is <laughs> that's really I don't uh you know I haven't been deep in South Dakota State film uh, other than watching Christian Watson just bombs cut ups. But I I will say I will say that Pierre Strong I I can I can I can dig it. Shout out to Just Bombs. I uh, I once did a deep dive to try to find the song that uh, that leads the Just Just Bombs production <laughs> highlights. It's really just that. It's like a super deep cut. Uh, yeah, I love I love that intro. Any thoughts on Kevin Harris, uh, JJ? I know I know uh, he's kind of interesting to you. Yeah, this is my like day three, two hundred ten plus pound back that I think teams would be getting a value with if they if they end up getting him. Um, you know, he's two hundred twenty plus pounds. I think he was two twenty one at the combine. He had a 12% reception share in his best season. He split that backfield with Zaquandre White, the 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 ex linebacker that I mentioned earlier. And, and White might be like more dynamic, and that's why he might be getting. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead of Harris. But Harris, in his second sophomore season, had a really really good year, like an incredibly good year and productive year. And that's where a lot of these numbers are taken from because I look at best season numbers. So again, I'll do one more filter exercise with you, filtering these down because I, I think it's just interesting in doing this and seeing like what kind of comps you can find doing it. So you look at 220 pound running backs, 12% reception share, 
1.9 yards per team play and 45% touchdown share, which are all really good numbers. I mean, just in general. Um, and if you, if you filter things down within my database to that, you get five guys, Rashad Penny, Leonard Fournette, Jay Ajayi, Le'Veon Bell, and Trent Richardson. I mean, it, it, he has a very, very intriguing production profile for his size. And I always look for these like big backs who caught a lot of passes uh, in college, which this is sort of like what got me on to Ramondre Stevenson last year, where mm-hmm. Stevenson on a per game basis was really good from a receiving standpoint. It wasn't from a totality standpoint just because he was suspended and stuff, but Ramondre Stevenson was, awesome was really route. Yeah, right. He was just a really good receiver. And, and it was crazy because he was also this massive running back. And, uh, you know, we get I'm, I'm getting that vibe a little bit from a guy like Kevin Harris, who I think he'll end up going on day three. He might not even be drafted, but I think that he's definitely someone to keep an eye on because we don't usually see backs that are this size, you know, with this kind of production profile, really just like totally, totally flame out. I think he's just pretty intriguing. That is, that is pretty intriguing. And yeah, big, yards big per dude, line. like 220 pounds and you caught a reasonable number of your team's passes. That's like the, that that's like uh it's like the inverse correlation of guy who weighs 200 pounds and ran a four, three. Like I don't need any other information extended beyond that to be like, <laughs> that is an interesting profile. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think those profiles it, size plus sub four, four and you know, big guy who can carry a workload in. And I mean, he had 0.9 yards per outrun, which to me is kind of like in the like you could be totally fine as a pass catcher zone. I mean, Brees Hall was at 0.98. So, you know, we're not like, we don't have like major concerns about Brees Hall. We think he'll be fine as a, as a pass catcher. And uh, you know, Harris is right in that, that same range uh, where they're probably not going to prioritize using him, but they, they want him to stay in. He should be totally fine. All right. Of this tier, like, Who's the guy if you're if you're gonna prioritize any of these guys of this day three class? Is there anyone for me? It's Algier. I think I'm just gonna I'm probably gonna be taking him way too much. Davis, is there any anyone that you're just gonna be kind of overweight on here? I, I probably Tyler Beatty, the the Mizzou guy. Um, or I mean, I, you know, I, I guess it'll also like I would I would very much be swayed by one of these guys going to a team where I like either think the starting running backs or the other running backs there suck, or a coaching staff that I think would have no problem turning things over. So like what we were t- like the Seahawks, you know, or or, or the like it, honestly if the Ravens take a day three guy, uh, mm-hmm. that would be that would be kind of interesting to me. You know, just there are some teams where a day three guy is more interesting and also depending on the skill set too but Beatty Beatty seems Beatty seems like the guy oh also we didn't talk about him at all but Abram Smith was just a big like breakaway guy at Baylor like was not was not a starter but was used in kind of like this hybrid like remember when the Jets had LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Green and the coaches were like yeah LaDainian Tomlinson gets all the good touches and Sean Green gets all the crappy ones like that's what they did with Abram Smith, which is, and he's not even that. He just is kind of interesting. By by the way, Davis, Abram Smith, another converted linebacker. Wow, wow. what is up with that? What, why would you convert from linebacker to running back? Where if you I'm, make it to the NFL, you're making no money. I'm fairly certain he first. was a linebacker. Someone someone can fact check me, but I'm fairly certain he was also a linebacker, certain running back. <laughs> this is this amazing. class is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> JJ, anyone that uh, that you'll be prioritizing in this group? Yeah, you know, you mentioned Algier. I think we're on the same page with him for sure. We'll be fighting over him in our in our leagues right. that we're in together. Uh, I'll have to trade up ahead of you. 
Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know Tyler Beatty, I, I like a good bit. Another guy who's sort of like in that Beatty uh, grouping is is Tyler Goodson from Iowa. Similar size, good production profile, was fast. Um, so he's kind of intriguing too. And then Kevin Harris, man, it's, he's been my like go to you know talking point on a lot of these like you know if I'm talking about uh, running backs on shows, I just I, I think that that you, it's rare to find that kind of profile, especially on day three. And so he's going to be basically free in rookie drafts, I, I, I would imagine. And so um, I think that he's definitely someone that people should have in their radar. Awesome. All right, JJ, tell the people what they can find over at Late Round Fantasy Football. And I'll say the draft guide is incredible. If you, if you haven't checked out JJ's draft guide, you're, you're uh, absolutely missing out. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, so LateRound.com, you can find all the stuff. I have Patreon. Uh, I have the, the Late Round Prospect Guide that, that uh, Crane's talking about there. Um, and then my podcast, the late round podcast, you can find that anywhere podcast can be found. Davis, what, what do you guys got over at sports grid for the people? Every day fantasy sports today from, uh, 11 to noon central time. There we go. I got it. <laughs> so that means it's an hour earlier Eastern time sports grid fans, football podcast. Uh, JJ has been on it this off season. Crane's been on it a bunch. We'll continue to run those. And, uh, yeah, pretty soon it'll, we're, we're going to be switching from dynasty content to uh, to the best balls, which uh, my mental health is not looking forward to. It's yeah, it seems way too early to, to be going hard on best ball. I've got a couple slow drafts going, and that that's just fine. You, you but... know, you know the dudes over at Underdog. Their their finger has been hovering over that launch best ball three mania button, yep. and like as soon as Mister Relevant is announced, they're pushing it. You're 100 percent right. Uh, all right, make sure to uh, to check out a good football show next week. We got uh, more great episodes, and I will have my running back rankings out very timely. I actually synced up my uh, my publishing with with the appropriate podcast, so they'll be out uh, part one tomorrow. So look for those, and we'll see you guys next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.